0: Hey everyone, hello and welcome to another episode of the Markcast. I am Mark Jorgensen. I am the host and creator of this podcast. So, I know I haven't posted for a while, uh, but this is a really good episode. I spoke with Bryce Peterson. He's a guy that has hosted a lot of open mic nights at his house, and that's originally how I got to know him. 10 to 20 people would play a bunch of different songs at his house, and he'd have like 100 people in his house just packed listening to these songs all night long so uh he's a really great guy he writes his own material too he performs um he's done acting for a while as well uh, in the dc area and i spoke with him as he was leaving washington dc on his thoughts about his time here and kind of the general struggle that we all face in life to kind of make our way and career and build networks and all that and so we had some really interesting conversation about that and i hope you like it and at the very end he plays one of his songs he has a great song at the end, so um, it's right at the end of the show, so you can uh, listen to that as well at the end. And uh, if you're new to the Markcast, uh, just know that we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, and we're on SoundCloud, and you can share these episodes with other people very easily, so please do that. Here's Bryce. You see you saw The Warriors, right? I actually never did. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I just know that quote.
0: Okay. <laughs> so the main guy that does that quote, or whatever, did you ever see the movie The Crow? Or I have heard of it. You okay? It's (laughs) white. It's Dwight
1: Schrute's favorite movie from the office.
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyways, the main guy who does that, the he's in that movie, the The Crow. Also, it's like these two, like total, kind of like teenager revenge kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. Like you know. So they're kind
1: and, and I mean, it wasn't super popular at the time, was it? It was kind of, a, was it kind of a cult hit? The Warriors, yeah.
0: Well, um, they limited the release because when they did it, like a bunch of gang violence broke out all across the country. It was like 1979. Oh. And so they pulled it out of a bunch of theaters. Because
1: they didn't want to promote gang violence. Or... Yeah. That's funny.
0: And so it had limited I don't success. Know
1: many gang members who like shaved their chest. <laughs> have like perfectly sculpted upper bodies.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was a movie. I think that's actually from the video game depiction, which actually had more success than the movie, but really? uh, but like it's it still,
1: hilarious.
0: it still had like reasonable the
1: video game had more success than the movie. No, yeah, we've seen that before. Yeah, like, Tomb Raider, Assassin's Creed.
0: Yeah, so so why are you leaving DC exactly? You're, you're resetting. You, what's what's your what's yeah. your story been in DC like? So
1: my the the, the original reason I came to DC was to, was to try acting for a while. Yeah. And I mean, I had you know moderate success for someone who had just graduated from college and had no professional experience to speak of. Um, I understudied. Two or three shows at Imagination Stage, uh-huh. which understudying is sort of a grind. It's not something you get paid a lot to do, but it's something that's it's it's a good first step because you get your foot in the door and you get seen.
0: So, so you didn't do that for very long because you, you just didn't want to put up with like the whole. I guess the, the difficult business side of it is, th- is, is tough. okay, yeah. yeah.
1: Cuz I mean acting's not really a career, it's a club.
0: Yeah. You know, it's a club.
1: Huh? Um <laughs> I mean, it, that sounds harsh and I don't mean it to it's just you know, I I think it has something to do with the fact that art is so commercial in the United States. Yeah. And so there are a lot fewer opportunities in in performing arts. Okay. I mean, I mean, TV is huge right now in the U.S., obviously, but that's such a saturated market in L.A. There's no way I'd get seen
0: out yeah. there, you know? So I guess let's back up. So you did. So how long have you been in D.C. for? Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, before that, you were in?
1: In Utah. In Utah. That's where, I, that's where I was doing. I was at BYU. And you went
0: to school, okay, BYU. Uh,
1: in the music dance theater program. Okay. And which... Uh, It was a great experience i learned a lot um the funny thing is you know i think actor training uh really loosens you up and and makes you a more empathetic person and it gets you in touch with your body and your emotions but at the same time it's sort of it's easy to become self-absorbed yeah because you're so focusing, you're just focusing on yourself the whole time. Yeah. Like, what's my next big thing? What's yeah. my next step? What, you know, how can I get mine?
0: How do I get my head in the right in this character? How do yeah. I do this, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly, How do people like, because I mean, people have to like you, too, yes. right? Yes, oh my gosh. You know, that's another part of it, right? One thing, <laughs> one, it's,
1: you have to, like, your entire, your entire uh, reason for existence is based on, other people validating you, yeah, and it can feel really personal if they don't like that monologue you did. It yeah. can find it can feel like a personal attack because it's like you're putting yourself into this monologue to some extent. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting balance that you have to achieve, yeah. and I think the people who who succeed the most are usually those who have. <laughs> I, I, I almost feel like you have to you have to have. A really inflated ego yeah to some extent yeah you know i mean think about people like kanye or russell (laughs) crowe or you know all these famously sorry my phone's on it's cool it's uh
0: so wait what it so you're leaving this last job i guess ended that you had you started a job in the last year and that ended somehow
1: yeah i was i was an editor for ceb okay um which is a huge company yeah and then it got merged with an even larger company.
0: Which company? Uh,
1: Gartner, which is Gartner, a sim- which okay. is a similar like best practices research
0: market research. Yeah, all this They're they providing do, info- information to businesses so they can you know right. better know their customers. Yeah. and uh, all sorts of other stuff too. Right, the right, right. Yeah, and they yeah.
2: and they
1: have. I mean, they they have a huge corner on like I think they. They like, 90% of the Fortune 100 are their clients. Okay, It's crazy. Like, they have incredible influence in the yeah. business world. International corporations all over the world use Gartner and C B Research.
0: So they merged so then they just merged, recently. Yeah,
1: and I was an editorial contractor at the time.
0: Oh. So, so, you know, first,
1: last one in, first one out, when that kind of thing happens.
0: Dang, man.
1: <laughs> so at that point, I was like, yeah, having a theater degree... I should probably go back to school and, like, do something and yeah. get some more experience and, and, and you know, because I, I, I got my minor in editing yeah because uh, I I, it's something that I'm just naturally good at, rewriting sentences and yeah. figuring out why they sound weird and stuff. But um, I, I learned that, you know, it's, I mean, D.C. has a huge job market. Yeah. Like, there are tons of editing jobs, and I and I think I'm qualified for a lot of them, but I don't have the right degree title. And so, you know, all those all those algorithms and yeah. all those, um, you know, online submissions that just kind of, all those bots that sort of scan your resume to see if they have the right words to match the job description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, it's not going to, unless a human sees it, it's just not going to pass muster.
0: Yeah. So, so. You, you don't want to deal with another... Six months of like searching for a job. Oh or yeah, like that. I mean because
1: two thousand sixteen, um, I was underemployed for quite a lot of that while I was auditioning.
0: Dude, yeah, I was still uh, in sixteen. I was too for about seven, eight months or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's rough. I think I was with you actually. That um, I think it was uh, night of the through? election or Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. but and the, but the night of the election in November, and I think Were like there? it, it I, seemed like you just started a job or something recently.
1: I started my new job in February.
0: Oh. Yeah. Or I think it was like, but like you thought you had one or something like that. Or I don't know what the... I was
1: really close to getting one.
0: Maybe that was it. Okay. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But like it was...
1: But the other person that got the job was actually an inside referral, I learned. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, no, seriously, it's all about there. the networking, man. Yeah. Like, my last three full-time jobs, I I I learned about through other people. Yeah. Never once out here did I get a job that I just applied for cold.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's back up a second. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Kansas. You grew up in Kansas. Fort
1: Scott, Kansas, a little town of about nine thousand people. Yeah. Or thereabouts. I haven't been back in ten years. Wow. Um, Your parents still live there. My parents moved away uh, about a year after I graduated. Oh, okay. And now they live in Provo. Oh. They
0: yeah. just they retired or they. They got retired. Different they're different were both jobs. they're
1: both community college teachers.
0: Oh no way. Yep. So there's a community college out there in Fort Scott or mm-hmm. nearby.
1: In Fort Scott, in fact, there wow. Pittsburgh, Kansas, is a town of about sixty thousand people. I want to say. Oh, okay. And there's a state university there, actually. Okay. Um. Yeah, there. It's a big world. Like there are all kinds of places in the Midwest that have good schools that you wouldn't ever think of. Yeah. Like Wichita has yeah. a good music school.
0: Yeah. You know, I like so would Did you uh, did you want to stay around Kansas like growing up after like no. high school or was it? No,
1: I, I there there's just not much to do out there besides fish and drink beer and yeah, and go go mud
0: Were you a fish? Were you a Fisher growing up or no, something like that? Really. No, no. I was
1: I was ac- I was actually kind of a city slicker to be honest.
0: So, like, music and all that, kind of some music in the arts and, like, theater, that was yeah, always sort of your yeah. thing growing up. Yeah. W- what was the music you were into growing up or whatever? I know you, like...
1: I had bad taste.
0: Bad taste. <laughs> was, Except for... Was,
1: I, I still listen to Billy Joel and yeah. Simon and Garfunkel.
0: Dude, those are great, man. Yeah, no, those are great. Those, those, are, those great. are great. Those are great. But, yeah. great, but I'm man.
1: saying I was also really, like, easily swayed by generic pop music that...
0: Like, um, like what? Like the Britney Spears, the NSYNC, you know? Not necessarily. Like, growing up, or... I
1: mean... I sort of like them now because they're nostalgic, but that's the only reason <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh into. I mean, at the time, I was really into show tunes. Yeah. You know, high school.
0: Like Broadway, kind of yeah. like plays that were like popular and stuff like that, like Phantom of the Opera and all that. I mean, sure, sorta, but, but also Steven whole... Sondheim. Okay. Uh, he
1: was always my jam. Yeah. And still kind of is. The, the only thing is that a lot of his songs are so contextual, they don't really make sense. You can't sing them. By themselves, most of the time, because yeah. the context of the play is influences them so heavily. Like there's this really sweet song from Sweeney Todd called "Not While I'm Around," uh-huh. and nothing's gonna harm you not while I'm around. You know, it's a very sweet kind of lullaby. Yeah. But the way it's done in the actual show, um, it's this it's this little kid who's who's living sort of the, the, the protege of Mrs. Lovett, who's a cannibalistic murderer, you know? Yeah. And so he's, like, telling her that he'll do anything to protect her.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, And it's implied, you know, sort of through the music and through the staging that he would even kill for her.
2: Uh, and,
1: you know, and it's kind of disturbing because it's like this 12-year-old kid, or, you know, they never really say his age, but... Um, So, yeah, I mean, but Mormon Tabernacle Choir sang it uh, with, they did like a Broadway album with Angela Lansbury singing that song. Because she she was in the original cast, the original Broadway cast,
0: I believe. That was a uh, while ago, right, where she did her whole thing, right? That was like 10 or 15 years ago, or did she do it a bunch with
1: that. What do you mean, like? But when with, she
0: originally did this like, song, when she recorded Motown. Oh, the with original Motab?
1: cast I think it was back in the seventies.
0: No, no, with with Motown and stuff like oh, that. Oh, with
1: Motab, I think it was in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but it's just like without without the context of the play, it's just this is really sweet lullaby.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it's but it's like but if you know the song, it's like I, this doesn't make sense. Like even the, his sweetest, most beautiful songs have kind of this tinge, this punch of irony to them. Yeah. Underneath. I yeah. found it really interesting. Interesting, and then well, you, my tastes have changed w- a lot since, since college. You
0: started playing like guitar and all that stuff in high school, and yeah, I was self-taught
1: that? mostly in middle school. Oh yeah. And then I took I took lessons from a a Protestant minister. I can't remember. I think he was, I think he was a United Church of Christ preacher or, or something. But he his name was Mister Shoemaker, and he was a substitute teacher. Yeah. Also, at the high school and middle school. And he taught me for about six months. Wow. We learned basic chords and the basic
0: blues scale. How to play a G, C, D, right. learn right. a few songs. and. Right. I mean, once you know that, though, I mean, I think it's kind of easier just to branch out and you can learn. I mean, you can kind of self-teach yourself a lot of stuff. That's the once, fortunate thing about guitar. Yeah.
1: Um, the unfortunate thing about that is that if you don't know another instrument... <laughs> uh, you don't know that you don't know the di- you don't learn the discipline of practice or yeah. of, of uh, learning you learn how to learn yeah because I grew up playing piano uh, I started when I was six six or seven mm-hmm. with one teacher for like 11 12 years oh, okay Gary so, tabbitz was his name
0: so you had a strong piano background right
1: right so when you usually you can sort of pick out intervals more easily. Yeah. Um I'm not saying that I could look at a sheet of music and yeah. and pick out the notes yeah. on my guitar. I could figure them out. Yeah. But I wouldn't be able to sight read anything like I would on a piano.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I know we're jumping on here, but I know you've played a little bit here too. Like you've done shows, you know. Yeah you've well, gotten I mean, paid played, for, right? <laughs> I, I
1: played in a few bars around D C and uh, um
0: And you write some of your own material and record some stuff, you know?
1: Well, I recorded one thing for the NPR Tiny Desk Contest. Really? Back in January. How did it do? I think it turned out great. I mean, I wrote the piano part, and I had a music producer uh, transcribe it for me. Yeah. Um... Although he used transcribing software instead of transcribing it himself because he didn't know how to do that himself, but he did it on the cheap, so I forgave him for that. But I got David Zobel, who's education director at Signature Theater and a longtime friend of mine, uh-huh. to play it. Ethan, it turned out great, I think.
0: It was a song you wrote and mm-hmm. everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, we can hear a little piece later. Um, so and then you, so you've been here for a few years, and then um, so I guess we're jumping around here. So, so that was can. So we got Kansas. Kansas. And then you left Kansas to go to school, uh-huh. assume, or, or do a mission. I think you did a mission. I did. Yeah, you did a mission. I went
1: to
0: Mexico City. Mexico City. Yeah. We, uh, it's a wild time. <laughs> it's a wild time. Then. <laughs> um, so you picked up some Spanish. Uh, and then you came back and you did school at BYU. Uh-huh. And you decided to go into theater. Yes. Because that was kind of your passion. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was a bit single-minded You are a bit time. single-minded? Yeah, yeah.
0: And that was a good experience overall. Like BYU kind of gave you, I guess you're saying, it gave you like all these tools to be a good, you know,
1: Whatever. actor. Right. But, <laughs> but it was very like
0: inward focused. And then after that, why did you decide to come to DC? Like, what was, or did you go straight to DC? Or what was? Well,
1: the, the sort of what made me decide is in 2012, I went to a workshop that Signature Theater actually hosts yeah. every year, um, and David Zobel encouraged me to go to it because he and I have been in contact, you know.
0: Oh, so you know him before before you came out? Okay.
1: Yeah. And he encouraged me to apply, and I just sent in a video audition and applied for the fellowship because, um, you know, a lot of regional theaters, because they're nonprofit organizations, uh, a lot of their their boards require them to have an education uh, component to what they do so that it provides benefit to the community. Signature Theater is no exception, and uh, they... They do a two-week intensive program every year, for sort of. They don't have an exact age range, uh, but it's usually late high school, early college, students. So it's sort of you know the eighteen to twenty-four market more or less. Um, it varies every year, but uh, you know, and they bring in local, uh, like casting directors and and directors and actors, and they they have classes and choreographers and. And then they do a little showcase at the end where everyone does one song, and then there's like a group number. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's it's a fun experience. I mean, a lot there are a lot of places all over the country that do that kind of thing. It's it's not, but um, that sort of opened my eyes to a whole new area because I, I most people don't think of DC as a theater town, but you've got Arena Stage, Signature, yes. Yeah. Um, studio theater. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a show at studio theater that I didn't absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olney Theater, which is up in Maryland, but it's still in the area. Uh, Imagination Stage, like we talked about. Shakespeare Theater. Um, and then there there's a whole host. There's at least a dozen professional-grade regional theaters and then at least as many sort of semi-professional, high-quality uh, amateur theaters. Yeah. So... It's, and, I, and I and I didn't really think I'd want to go to New York because I just don't enjoy that environment.
0: <laughs> too much city or something like that? Too much I mean, city. You know, yeah. yeah.
1: Just, I, and I've been there a couple times and it's just, it's a very, everything's very crowded, very expensive. I mean, D.C.'s kind of expensive too, but at least yeah. here in Arlington, I get to share a house and I can pull out of my driveway and drive somewhere and not have to worry about paying fifty dollars for parking yeah. for the day. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I
1: can go to a I can go to a monument or I can go to a park and not. Um, I don't know. I just kind of liked that. Yeah, it's it's there's sort of a small town component, but you can go into the city if you want.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we you talked a little bit before about the interview about um, what your thoughts on working for the man. <laughs> I guess you had some uh, for the man. some thoughts. You know, I don't know if you're still feeling as passionate about it, but you seemed like you had kind of some well, uh, some interesting take on.
1: What, did, what do you What do you remember? Because I don't.
0: You, you said you know you just you you, you had some new opinions because your, your new your latest job experience kind of left you with uh, I don't know some kind of a negative impression. I think on just working for the man and you know whatever that means today i guess
1: i'm trying i'm trying to think what i said that i think so hmm, that's a good question I, i don't really know
0: I mean, do you, I, I guess it's like you, mean, like, you mean like, like...
1: you mean like working for somebody else, sort of?
0: Or yeah, well, I guess when people say working for the man, it's kind of this concept of like, yeah, you're working for somebody else, you're working for a company, kind of like a faithless, faceless,
2: uh-huh.
0: sort of soulless corporation that doesn't really care for right, the needs right. of a person, doesn't care about personal development. Yes, okay, you know, I do... Fulfilling a job function.
1: I do, I do remember a bit <laughs> what getting at Although, you sort of led me to it, but that's okay. Okay. But, uh, yeah,
0: so... This isn't The Bachelor, you know. I don't, of, I, I don't, I don't, I don't make people do anything. I <laughs> You make your own choices.
1: <laughs> yeah, you won't edit my reactions no. to, get, to get the right angle you want. No. Um, I,
2: th-
1: I mean, working for somebody else, I think that's sort of a lot of most people...
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah.
1: Very rarely do people actually make working for themselves a successful venture. I mean, you know, well, here's the thing. I was, I was okay. So, I also taught for B and B music lessons, which is a local music studio, and that was that was a good teaching experience. I got a lot of experience. And
0: you did that before when you were, I guess, kind of the underemployed period yeah. where you were yeah. kind of doing part time, and,
1: yeah. and it kept me afloat. Um, at the same time I was still working for them and they got a cut of what I might have made independently, but they found the students for me and they took care of the payment. They took care of pretty much all of the stuff that I would hate to deal with.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, and, and after I, you know, just recently I asked one of the owners, I was like, you know, let me pick your brain. I mean, at what point did you figure out that you could live full time just on music? And and because you know both of the owners, one of them's a trumpet player and the other one's a bass player, and they play in bands around here <coughs> and, and jazz clubs and.
0: Yeah, well, if you're a bass player, I think it's a lot easier yeah. to find work, right? Yeah, and if a you're good, because everybody plays the guitar.
1: Everyone plays the guitar. But you Everyone always
0: sings. but you always need a bass. You
1: always need a bass. And nobody bass plays it. <laughs> no, no. no one wants to do that because it's yeah. it's not as glamorous. Yeah. You don't really unless it's jazz, then you actually are taken more seriously because bass players are. You know, if you're in a trio, which is bass, drums, and piano, yeah, then you're gonna get to solo and get seen all the time. Yeah, it's
0: more of an in- integral part of the sound right. and, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like rock bands, also a lot of other bands, like just nobody wants to play bass just because yeah. it's not the cool instrument. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's harder to play by yourself too. Yeah. Like in those for like especially a lot of well, rock. Because you stuff, can't form
1: just, as many chords usually. Uh, most of the the cheaper ones are only four strings yeah um i mean there are some virtuoso players like thundercat he's a he's an artist that i highly recommend he's really interesting a bit esoteric and uh and a bit um hard to follow if you're not into jazz but he has he has sort of a fusion it's it's sort of there's an r&b sort of indie pop and jazz sound that he's managed to sort of blend together yeah. and he plays like a six string bass mm-hmm. and he but he does crazy solos and his live concerts but if you notice on his studio recordings he doesn't do it as much yeah you know because he doesn't want to market himself as a as a jazz performer although he's more than qualified to do it
0: oh because yeah it doesn't sell as much it doesn't sell as much yeah. jazz is
1: a more narrow sort of you know high highfalutin hoity-toity yeah. sound for a lot of people that they just don't like it's yeah. an acquired taste, and yeah. it was for me too. But uh, I took a jazz keyboard class in, in college, and and just learned all the intricacies and all the theory that you have to know in order to be a really. I I barely scratched the surface. Yeah. I can yeah. I can play very basic, and sort of improv a little bit. I I'd say I'm a decent, halfway decent improver. Yeah, but not. Um, but I, 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 you know, I, I wouldn't be able to play in a band setting yeah. at this, set, at this. Set.
0: But what I'm getting at is. But these guys were able to find work, you right. know, and support themselves, right. and, just and, doing music.
1: And this owner, but this owner said, you know, he's like, you know what, I advise people not to try to be professional musicians.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and and I've heard that before. When I was at BYU, uh, Leah Salonga, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Audrey McDonald. Uh, and Mandy Patinkin. These were four huge Broadway actors who all yeah. came to BYU and did master classes, and they, would co- you know, they, they coached some students
0: oh, well, yeah. um,
1: individually. Like, mentorship,
0: you know, kind of. Huh? A little bit of mentorship yeah, time, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's cool.
1: And they sort of talked about their own experiences. And I would say, I remember Brian Stokes Mitchell and maybe Leah Solonga, too, all said, seriously, if you can see yourself doing anything else and still being happy... Do that. Wow! And I, I was floored wow. that they would say that to this whole group of students who are all you know filled with dreams of going on Broadway. Wow! And they, and they, 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 uh, you know, there's sort of uncomfortable laughter, and <laughs> you know, the the teachers all sort of kind of looked at each other, and, and
0: but well, the uh, competition is fierce, right? Because yeah, there's not yeah. that many high-paid positions. Right. I mean, some people can do really amazingly well, sure. but then like 90% of like, well, then maybe like, I don't know, there's a big chunk that are maybe just getting by mm-hmm. and then there's a bunch of the rest that just can't even get by right. maybe. Right. Right. That's. Right. Right.
2: Right.
1: I, I mean, there's, I have met a lot of actors who make a steady living. Yeah. And no one knows them. No one yeah. knows who they are. Yeah. But. That's fine. That would have been fine with me, honestly. Yeah. because um, I think doing the work itself is incredibly rewarding. You yeah. know, they they have like they do regional theater and they travel, but yeah. the point is, the point is with them is they also don't have families half the time. Yeah. Or or if they do have families, they have them much later in life.
0: So um, you got to live like a gypsy, or yeah, a, be independently yeah, wealthy, be to or some other, or, or well, so, well, live speaking live of wealth.
1: A lot of a lot of my classmates, uh, not all of them, and I'm not tooting my own horn or saying that I had it so terrible. But there there are a lot of people who go to New York whose parents sort of foot the bill for a couple of years when oh, they audition.
0: Oh, right, yeah, of course. And you know, and
1: that's that's good for them. I'm not I'm not saying that they shouldn't. You know, if if you have the talent. Okay. And um, and you have a way to to make that work, then by all means,
0: right. you know, go for it. So okay. I guess what we're getting back yeah. to is you have um, I guess these mentors yeah, yeah, mentors yeah. back yeah, in yeah, college, yeah, yeah. Okay. and so then these other trumpeter and the bass player. They're telling you they say, don't do this.
1: They say, <laughs> well, you know, he and I've heard this before, but he's like, you know, when you're young and poor, it's sort of cute. Yeah. But when you're 46 and have no savings.
0: Yeah. You're right.
1: And if you're trying to save up for retirement yeah. or invest in 401k. Right, right. Then you have to rethink what you're doing. Right. And I think that's one reason that they are able to make a living is because they have this business. They're business owners, too. Right. You know, they're making money from, from all these teachers. They I mean, they have over 100 teachers mm-hmm. in the that area. That's genius. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, they, you know, they don't. They they just do the administrative work.
0: Yeah, and did that, did that sour your whole impression of how like what the options were, or no, I, did I it think, change your tra- like trajectory a little bit? Or? I mean,
1: I'd like to think that I didn't have that many illusions when I came out here. Yeah, I thought you know, I'm never, I'm never gonna have the chance to try this again, so I might as well try it now.
2: Yeah.
0: While
1: well, I'm young and single and have no responsibilities to anyone yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Some of my some of my married friends um, were married to other actors, so they had that kind of support network, and, and the support network is a really key component to it, and that's something I probably didn't invest enough time in doing.
0: Yeah. Have you had that here? I mean, I know because I mean you're you're kind of known around uh, for for being the guy who hosts like the um, those open guitar show. the guitar shows the uh, on, open, mic open open mic nights yeah. at, at your in house my, in my
1: church community, yes.
0: And there's like hundreds home. of people that go to those things. Yeah. Maybe not like yeah. at once, but like I don't know, it seems like there's no, had a had lot a of different time. people that go.
1: I had a great time doing that. And then hosting the Lonely Hearts Film Festival two years ago yeah. was immensely rewarding. Yeah. And you know, I love putting on events for people and
0: um, it's part of like the support process, I guess. You know, well, no you're kind no, of that's a little bit
1: that's different. Uh, and the reason I say that's different is because my Mormon cohorts aren't also pursuing Active right. careers. The Mormons I know are working on the Hill, or working for, um, oh. for the Senate. There, they are contractors. They are international development people. <laughs> they work for the State Department. They are. They couldn't be further from. The side of things that I'm trying to get
0: into. But they like to just play guitar, or sing on the side a little bit. Right, but what I'm saying
1: is they're not also very actively involved in networking themselves.
0: Oh, so you f- so you kind of feel a little bit. So
1: that's the kind of network I'm talking about.
0: And you kind of so you kind of feel separated from that whole process, or because you're kind of pursuing more of like music and the arts.
1: Yeah, yeah, there aren't very many Mormons who pursue that.
0: Yeah. Um, There's not. I mean, it's been like that way for a long theater, time. Unless it's
1: theater, there are there are quite a few Mormon actors in, in New York, but um, I mean, do you think? But, I mean, music's a little different.
0: I, and like, I, I read a paper about this actually, interesting. Like ten years ago or something, it was talking uh, about why aren't there more Mormons that are doing. Um, that are successful, like highly successful in the arts. Yeah, yeah. There, there's very few. I mean, yeah. there's quite a few in, like, the business realm. And church, and, and point sure. it pointed to kind of, like, different church policies that kind of not push but it encourages people to kind of do things that you can support, more practical yeah, things that you can support a, families. There's sort of and,
1: a culture that, I mean, the traditional family requires you to go to your 9-to-5 job. Right. Which automatically, that's not the arts world because working
0: in the arts, you work at night. Yeah, and and the and weekend, and the weekends, weekends. yeah, on the weekends, yeah. Those because that's when people are out; they're going, and they're going exactly. to shows. Because that's when the people that have regular jobs <laughs> exactly. are going to go see them and pay to, to see perform. So that
1: automatically <laughs> causes friction. Yeah, yeah. Also, the the idea of um, well, I mean, it's it's less predictable yeah. income, and is is less conducive to family life. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's not possible. There are people who make it work. Uh, yeah. There are Mormon screenwriters. There are, you know, uh, Mormon rock stars, Brandon Flowers, for instance.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But he himself went through sort of a transformation where um, he had to really reprioritize his life. And he was kind of out of the public spotlight for a while. Uh, I'm projecting and assuming a lot. Uh, I, I haven't really, I, I, I'm speaking in the most general of terms about yeah. Brandon Flowers. But yeah, I'm not right. speaking factually or authoritatively. <laughs> But
0: uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, he probably would be the exception to, to the general rule exactly, that like exactly. to be active, like a, like an involved person in the Mormon church. Um, generally those people who are successful, there, there's quite a few in Hollywood and stuff like that, sure, but sure. they're sure. usually people that maybe they grew up and they spent some years in their childhood as a member of the church, but as they're adults, they uh, really haven't been involved like with the Adams. Uh, uh, yeah. And there's, I don't know, probably half a dozen others that are. Aaron Eckhart somewhat. actually
1: went to BYU.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's another one. Um, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a few others that uh, we're not yeah. talking about, but um, but yeah, there's a bunch. And there, Brandon Flowers would probably be kind of an exception. I to think that. so. To le- to reach that level of a stardom and that success,
1: and then to reassert went. his faith and to say, and and to sort of, because I I think the Killers took a little bit of a hiatus, didn't they? They they, they didn't release a record for.
0: I, I haven't been following them, but I know they're still like touring and they still sell out I mean, or sell pretty they, well, they, and they re, still as successfully. Of recently, as
1: of like two years ago, yes, they got yeah. back together, and, and then Brandon Flowers did his solo records too. But um, I yeah, I, th- that's fascinating to me, and I'm still all constantly thinking about it because
2: yeah.
1: uh, you know, because the people because a lot of people that came to my open mic nights were hobbyists, which is great. Yeah. I have no problem with that.
0: Pretty good, the hobbyist, though. there. There's some, yeah. some good talent yeah, in there. there was yeah, there's some good
1: talent. Um, and, uh, you know, for a, lot of them, for a lot of them, it's like the only time that they actually perform in front of people. Yeah. And uh, so when you perform that seldom, there's even more pressure on yourself <laughs> to be better. Yeah. And so, you know, they got really nervous, and you could tell. But, you know, everyone was really supportive, after so, I I started going to Iota Club, yeah, uh, which is uh, just a small sort of bar restaurant in Clarendon. Yeah, on it's on, it's on Wilson Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, So I'm gonna yeah. make a plug uh, for Iota Club. <laughs> it's one of my favorite places in the whole area because they do open mic nights every Wednesday night. They have the first sign up at seven thirty.
0: Yeah,
1: and they do two sets. They do two open mic sets so they do like 17 to 18 people in the first set and then they do sort of a feature artist who's like a sort of a traveling you know local musician um around 9.45, 10 o'clock and then they do a second late night open mic set which is much smaller obviously because it's on a week night yeah um and that was one of my favorite places because I met a lot of really interesting local musicians who, who are sort of semi-professional, or some of them are in bands, or some you know, yeah. some of them just kind of, just kind of come to shoot the breeze. And yeah. Yeah. And made a lot of friends there. And, yeah. uh, and I started inviting them to the open mic nights at my house, too. Oh, yeah. And that was great. That yeah. was a great way to introduce new people and people who weren't Mormon. Yeah. Because I, it's so easy when you're in a big Mormon community to only...
0: Get exclusive. To, to only,
1: yeah, to only associate with other Mormons because it's comfortable. Yeah. You're not consciously making that decision. You're just sort of saying, well, yeah, I know mm-hmm. these people. So, of course, I'm going to go to that party instead of this other thing at this bar right and
0: um, how did it get so big so quick it seemed like you just did you just kind of tell some people and it just got around everyone just facebook, live music just
1: all facebook yeah. and i would i i had a lot of facebook friends and so i would. you know i invited every single facebook friend that i knew oh you
0: just did the whole click in everyone no well, not not
1: not not like everyone of my friends list it oh, would okay. be ridiculous and also I think Facebook has a rule now where you can't do that.
0: So okay. I <laughs> Thankfully. I used to Thankfully, be getting, the, I used to get those sometimes. Yeah. Like,
1: like, it, like <laughs> invites to events that I'm like, I'm on the other side of the country. Yeah. Like, why are you inviting me to this? Yeah.
0: Like, I haven't um, talked to you in five years. Yeah, and, yeah. like, I barely even knew you, you yeah. know. But thanks for the invite. Yeah, but exactly. I'm not going to make it to. Well,
1: let's be honest. We barely know most of our
0: That's true. But you, so you invited, like, almost everyone that was, like, in the area, in you, the area that you yeah. thought might be interested or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and people just showed up and it just worked. It and, just
1: grew, yeah. The first night we had maybe 30 to 40 people.
0: Yeah. Um, That's good, though. And,
1: and it was great. Uh, and good. then the next time uh, I decided to, like, Put light gels over my over the ceiling lights in, in the living room and and turn down the lighting and, and, and really made kind of more of an, an effort to make it an more atmosphere like a, an atmosphere nice put rope lights up and and um, and it was a little too dark but you know I, I, I kind of learned as I went along yeah. and uh, and then I think the the peak we had our Christmas open mic night the large, the biggest crowd we ever had was around 80 people packed into that house yeah. and um that was immensely satisfying
0: yeah you know i maybe you've already heard this but i'm just kind of i'm talking to you here and i think that that could be like another possibility for you is yeah. to, to like be a manager of some kind of a lounge or some kind of a music lounge sure. or an open mic <laughs> you know i haven't ruled that out you know, because, I mean, I think you have that personality. You're kind of a friendly guy. People can talk to. You can play music yourself. You know, you can be friends with musicians. You can invite. Stop it.
1: And people... Stop <laughs>
0: people <it>. can- <laughs> But I mean, you know, if you, uh, wherever you're going to, I guess, are you going to Salt Lake or Utah, where are you going, wherever you end up, you know, that might be something to like look into, like, could you get into like managing, you know, some type of an open mic night weekly and then maybe.
1: there is a respectable (laughs) amount of local music in Salt Lake and Utah
0: County. Yeah, well, and people that just like to go and see that too. It's a very fun social, you know, experience, you know, seeing music is, you get to see your friends, you know, like have some food, chat a little bit. Yeah. I don't know, it's a.
1: That's a thought. I, I haven't ruled that out. Yeah, maybe I'd
0: be a good event event planner or something. Event, yeah. Well, we'll do like the. What's the worst thing about DC? Your DC experience you've had, and then <laughs> we'll talk about, about the best. Then we'll talk about the best thing, and then we're gonna okay. hear you play a song.
1: Worst thing about DC, I think.
0: In your experience here. Parking. Parking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like in DC itself, in the district. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That there is a problem with that. Actually, I yeah. did a podcast.
1: The speed traps and the. Cameras everywhere,
0: and oh my gosh. So I did, um, there's an economist that I did a podcast with like some months ago, and he wrote this paper actually about why parking is so bad in D.C., interesting and he went into like there was some policy issue and there was like a supply and demand and yeah. there was some reasons oh, left, uh, i'm, I'm going to take a listen The different yeah it's like five minutes long or something like that we just um what was your favorite thing about dc or your dc experience here
1: the diversity yeah and the opportunities there's so much going on at all times yeah. um it's a bit overwhelming to be honest but there's always a museum there's always a a jazz club to go to or a, a you know a free community event or um it's just vibrant, which I love. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm gonna miss that because Utah more housing developments and departments <laughs> Not that there isn't that here too, but you know, there's Costco everywhere. But yeah, in Provo, it's there's Costco. Yeah, and that is your life. <laughs> I'm I'm oversimplifying, of course, yeah. for, the, for the sake of humor. all in.
0: our Provo <laughs> listeners, I'm going to be one of you soon. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't hate don't hate don't hate the messenger. He's just I'll edit that part out um, <laughs> so, Okay, man, well, let's hear a song. Um, tell us what you're gonna play and let, let's let's you play it uh,
1: So this is a song this was the song that I did for NPR uh, Tiny desk contest um, I was not chosen <laughs> But I had a great time doing it uh, It's probably I would say it's probably the first full song I've ever written and it's gone through some revision, but the basic idea of it is still there. Um, I've always had very vivid dreams, uh, and so this is sort of a reference to that. It's a bit more um, vague and, and open to interpretation, which I prefer. So nice. this, this is a song called Whatever
0: Dreams. Awesome. Let's hear it. <laughs> snow That's awesome, man. That's Should great. have warmed up before, but that's all right. That sounds great, man. Um, hey, well, dude, thanks for coming on the Um I wish you all the luck. This is WBZ Chicago's This East American Life. <laughs> yeah. I'm in of class. Yeah. Signing off. I wish y'all luck in uh, your next endeavors and all that kind of stuff. Man. And you're welcome back anytime on the show. Thank you. <laughs> all right. All right. There it is. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I know I had a great time. Talking to Bryce, and uh, you can reach out to him directly on Facebook or uh, any other social media means. I'm sure he'd love it. So, take care.